For as long as I've known the NBA, it's been a stars league. But even among the stars, there's an exclusive club. Russell, Dr. J, Jordan, Kobe. They're all part of a select group that paved the way for the NBA superstar of today. And some even shared secrets with each other along the way. From Spotify and the Ringer Podcast Network, I'm Jackie McMullen, and this is the Icons Club. This episode is brought to you by Pure Leaf Iced Tea. Great iced tea takes you somewhere else like new Pure Leaf Blackberry Iced Tea that we have here at the Spotify Studios and drink quite a bit where unexpectedly blackberry flavor transports you to a very delicious place. So refreshing you may never want to leave. You will eventually have to though, but take your time. Try new Pure Leaf Blackberry Iced Tea. Visit amazon.com slash pureleaf and enter 20 Pure Leaf. That's 20 Pure Leaf for 20% off your purchase of new Pure Leaf Blackberry Iced Tea. This episode is brought to you by Vital Farms. No matter how you like your eggs scrambled, over easy, or sunny side up, the people at Vital Farms believe in one thing, keeping it bullshit free. That's why their pasture-raised eggs come from hens who each have over 108 square feet of space to roam and forage all year round. So you can spend less time questioning your food and more time enjoying it. Look for Vital Farms in your grocery store and learn more at vitalfarms.com. Vital Farms, keeping it bullshit free. Show part of the Ringer Podcast Network presented by Major Dillon Media. Thank you, Yola Tango, as always. We have today as a guest, his name is Sean Evans. You probably have seen his YouTube series called Hot Ones, and it's a show that I've been on, and I can attest that it is incredibly difficult to do and all real. And everything I say in this interview where you should win an Emmy, a Peabody Award, <laughs> whatever you can win in journalism, I think you should win it because of the the, the the show, the context that everything happens, I think, takes away from the actual uh, interviewing prowess of Sean Evans. Yeah. And to like and, and I, I think what was what was amazing about what you talk about, with Sean, too, is like he found this thing, this this very simple, genius notion of, hey, what if we made people who are like in, in so out outside of like our league, just these these lofty celebrities what if we brought them down to earth and made them eat chicken wings and at first nobody was watching but like he committed to this like simple idea and built from there like that's what i find remarkable and 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 i i really very much enjoyed having him on because there are moments where you might have a friend they say i have an idea i want to do this and everyone's like that's a fucking bad idea you should not do these <laughs> things sometimes they are really really just bad ideas I've certainly had my fair share of bad ideas, most of which are actually really bad, some of which are really, really good. <laughs> and there's no rhyme or reason to decide when it is a, an idea worth pursuing. But I think that 25 years from now, when the you know uh, the Hot Ones has the the gross domestic domestic product uh, equivalent of like like America, because it's just taken over, right? Like Sean Evans is now president, right? When the Dallas Cowboys are playing at Hot Ones Arena, yeah, and Hot Ones just... is just taking over. There's, there's, you know, the currency, Hot Ones, you know, like that. That sounds sort of ridiculous, right? But it's like, it's, it's sort of not right because when you tell people in the future, hey, I had this. Imagine 25 years ago, I said, hey, people are going to watch this thing on this thing called YouTube, and they're going to watch interviews by a guy that's going to ask legitimate questions over incredibly spicy wings. Mm -hmm. And young peoples are going to go ape shit over it. And it's going to be the most watched things on the internet. Young it will peoples. actually spawn a business of hot sauces and chicken wings that you can buy at Target and Walmart and such. Who would believe you? Well, I guess I guess two questions. I mean, do you think that do you I don't know if he would ever admit this. But do you believe that was part of the vision from the beginning, him and the no, co-creators? Again, I, I, this is why I don't feel like Sean gets celebrated enough. The fact that this has happened is just utterly remarkable. Yeah. You know, it's it's like, that's what I want people to celebrate is like, wait a second. Everyone that's listening has had a really fucking bad idea. Is it a bad yeah. idea because somebody <laughs> says it's a bad idea? Or because like nobody's done the work or because it 
upends conventional wisdom. I mean, what, what do you think? I mean, you you fucking love bad ideas, or or I mean, okay, when you say bad ideas, half the time you don't mean like that's a bad idea because it's Why just is dumb. It a bad? But like, it's just been said it's bad. It's been traditionally. But, but here's the thing: if you take away, if you take away the the. If you look at what Hot Ones is, the genius of it isn't the fact that you're eating wings. It's the fact that what Sean talks about in this interview, that the common man or person can relate. Everyone's eating right. something spicy. The other thing is, and whether that was an accident or not, doesn't matter. So many happy accidents have led into huge things. Getting these well-known people to answer questions while they're sweating their balls off and their tongues are numb and they can't think... <laughs> That's amazing. It's like so many times you might watch a really good interview. They'll take 50 minutes to get to this fucking question, right? If you watch like, even like Howard Stern or something like that, they'll spend an hour plus to like prime the subject to get to the one thing. Everybody knows that the difficult question is going to come around like after the bomb. Right. It's just like clockwork. It, it replaces the, the superfluous journalism nonsense to get to the like meat of the matter. It is like, Journalism as the crow flies, interviewing as the crow flies. You know, it's mm-hmm. like that, that to me is the genius of it. It's like they've created some kind of setup where people are going to have to answer truthfully. Like you can't lie. It's almost impossible to lie when you're in that much pain. Like your brain doesn't have enough power to multitask to lie and deal with the pain, right? Like, so that's, like every question is a gotcha moment on Hot Ones. <laughs> so what do you think is the, what do you think is a, the main killer of bad ideas that are actually good is it that people ran away too soon is it because the it, the time wasn't right what do you think kills these ideas that you know sean evans could have given up early he could have been like yeah no one's watching well, listen, i think it, i think it's anything in the culture that challenges conventional wisdom mm-hmm. right that challenges the status quo of how things should be done again in sports, the most recent example clearly is what Billy Bean did with Oakland Athletics, taking Bill James's sabermetrics and turning it into a money ball. That's just not how you play baseball, right? Mm-hmm. I think we did it at Momofu. It was like, that's just not how you operate restaurants. You know what I mean? Like, you can't serve food that way. You just can't. Well, who said you can't? You can't make music that way, says Greg Allman of the Allman Brothers <laughs> about hip hop. You know what I mean? Like rap's not music. Like wh- wh- who says that? Right? right. I say that about EDM. That's not fucking music. <laughs> <laughs> that, unfortunately for everybody, I'm actually right on that. <laughs> they're not musicians. They're magicians. <laughs> <laughs> for my next trick, I mean song, uh, I'll be playing. <laughs> just ask the chain smokers. Fuck David Copperfield and David Blaine. The real fucking magicians here are the chain smokers. Poof, right, I made music. <laughs> but so that, that's the thing that was like how I mean that's 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 the whole and issue some, of life, some motherfucker, one of my friends has signed me up for chain smokers on every fucking email account I have. Like chain smoker <laughs> newsletters. You sick fuck. I appreciate your sickness. Because it's a good move, whoever did it. That's a good I can't prank. stop getting chain smoker updates. That's a good prank. That's a good prank. Hey, Dave Chang, chain smokers are gonna be in your town soon. I, they're coming out well, with a new I single. Mean, I need to know that. <laughs> this is I, I the thing is like, I mean, the, the great mystery in life though is like, yeah, dumb ideas, bad ideas are oftentimes only bad because people say so, but like there's a lot of bad ideas that are just bad ideas too. Well, yeah, it's hard. But the thing is this is like it's hard because when you fail, the failure hurts so much. It hurts. It hurts because you don't know when it's going to work because you might have the right idea. Your idea might be right, but your timing could be wrong. So you're still going to be wrong. And I say that all right. the time. I had the right idea, but the timing was wrong. It doesn't fucking matter. You were still wrong. Yeah. Even if, if I admit that, then it's, you know, it's like I've really dwelt on that. You know, it doesn't matter. You're still fucking wrong. <laughs> if you can admit your. <laughs> but, but like, I, I'll give you a, a perfect example. And I know we've probably talked about this podcast before, but. Dominic Ansel, the pastry chef in New York, and he has restaurants like patisseries all over the world now. I'm sure I would say of all the people that have made puff pastry, at least 100 people have said to themselves, I bet you if I fry this, it might be a really good idea. Of those 100 people that came up with that that idea, 99 of them actually never went ahead and tried it. Because the Mm -hmm. fact is making puff pastry by hand is a pain in the fucking ass. And the Mm -hmm. last thing you want to do is then dump it into a fucking fryer Mm -hmm. and see what happens. The fact is 
I remember when the Cronut came out and it pissed the shit out of a couple well-known French chefs or American chefs that cook in the French style with three Michelin stars. Uh-huh. You can fucking judge who the fuck these guys were. And they said, oh, that's, this, is, this is just a fucking, it's garbage. It's not fucking cooking. It's trash food. It's not real And technique. I remember talking to this American chef cooking in French style. And I told him, you're just, you're just jealous that you didn't do it yourself. You're just jealous because actually he's not a hack. He's actually worked for some very, very great chefs. Mm-hmm. You're just mad that he did something that no one else has ever done. And the fact is, anybody that's made puff pastry could have done it. And now the cronut is one of the most copied things the world over. And if you think about that, as I have, it's like, it's amazing. We should be celebrating. To make something, you know how hard it is to actually invent something new? Right. Or it may not be invented. It may not be something new, but to actually go ahead and do it. You know, when everyone thinks it's a bad idea. Okay, so that's the amazing thing. It's like the Fosbury flop, right? Like, what if I jump over this high jump backwards? That looks idiotic, but now everybody does it, right? So so what you're saying about the Krona, it's amazing because, yeah, probably a thousand people thought like, what if I fried this? You know that's true. Everybody was like, what if I fried this? Maybe a bunch of people failed. But once he succeeded, once he succeeded... Other people were able to copy him. So it was never impossible. It and was not never only, impossible. Not only that, a lot of people were like, that's fucking stupid. <laughs> <laughs> like, there's nothing stupid about no, it. No, it's oh not. I, I view it as the equivalent of modern art. You know? Yeah. And I do. I, I think the Corona is equivalent of culinary modern art, right? To be able to do something that has never been done. And gr- granted, I'm sure maybe a one pastry sous chef did it on their the exec pastry chef's day off and they're like, fuck it. I'm just going to do this because I have the freedom to do it. And they never had the balls to actually do anything with it. So I'm not going to say, I'd probably say there's probably three or four people in the history of the universe of America, of the world here that probably actually did it. And, and there's some relative that's like, my aunt, she made it. She didn't No, she didn't. You know why? <laughs> she was, they were too fucking afraid to like say, Check this shit out. Because you know yeah. why? Everyone's like, that's fucking stupid. Yeah. And I know it seems like a stretch, but like if you went back 25 years and said, hey, I want to start an interview show. I'm going to ask hip hop stars, actors, well-known people to eat incredibly spicy wings and give them 10 questions to answer. Nobody would take that seriously. And the fact yeah. that it has is really, truly remarkable. And And none of that actually should take away from the fact that like, what they do and who Sean is, is that he's a fucking terrific interviewer and that's an incredible skill. And they put fucking work in. And I want to reiterate that is like, if you take away the, the stick of eating hot sauce covered wings, it's pretty remarkable. If you look at the questions that get asked to the interviewees, it's pretty fucking remarkable. Yeah. He's a great interviewer. He doesn't, he doesn't lose sight of it. That's the magic of the show, too. Is like He's not just like, the show doesn't fall apart. He still asks smart questions no matter what's happening on the other side of the table from him. It's amazing. So I've been trying to think of really stupid fucking ideas, more stupid than normal. And I just want to say that, like, is it a stupid idea? Why is it something a stupid idea? You know, and I, that's all I want people to think about is like, if they've, everyone's had an idea to themselves and then they're just like, mm, I can't share that with the world because people will laugh at me. <laughs> Is this is this an open invitation? Are you starting a a, a a Y Combinator right now, Dave? Do you want people to send their all their stupid ideas to you? No, I want you to send them to <laughs> Sean Evans. <laughs> so uh, enough of us talking endlessly, aimlessly. Here's our conversation with Sean Evans. This episode is brought to you by Vital Farms. No matter how you like your eggs scrambled over easy or sunny side up, the people at Vital Farms believe in one thing, keeping it bullshit free. That's why their pasture-raised eggs come from hens who each have over 108 square feet of space to roam and forage all year round. So you can spend less time questioning your food and more time enjoying it. Look for Vital Farms in your grocery store and learn more at vitalfarms.com. Vital Farms, keeping it bullshit free. 
Apple Card is the perfect cash back rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co forward slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch, subject to credit approval, terms apply. Welcome, man. Uh, Thanks for doing this. I have to tell you, after doing Hot Ones, uh, I think more people that were under a certain age reached out to me and relatives that I haven't seen, their kids were all like, oh my God, I can't believe you're on Hot Ones. I love hearing that. You know, uh, I think so often, you know, like some of our guests, whether it's Matt Damon, Gordon Ramsay, recently Colin Farrell, I swear we only book them because their kids are big fans of the show and are like, dad, please go on hot ones, go on hot ones, go on hot ones. So I love hearing that. It is really astounding. Like everybody under a certain age is just (laughs) the biggest fan. Like how did, how did this happen? It is extremely compelling television. Your show is legitimately the only show I know that kids say under 30 watch religiously, oh, like nothing yeah. else. I was like, wait, I was like, wait a second. Like nothing else. Like, no, no, no. I wait. They wait for every season of hot ones to come out. I was like, I just got to ask, like, how the hell did this all happen? Well, uh, originally the way it started is, you know, first we feast back in the day. It was a, it was a blog and it was winning James Beard awards and stuff, but it was kind of like this niche food culture blog thing that was happening. And I know that, you know, you, you've done a bunch of things on the, on the uh, website before that. But if you recall back in 2015, everybody's like, every media company's like, we got to pivot to video. We got to pivot to video, you know? So we had to <laughs> launch a YouTube channel and come up with some sort of viable video property. And, uh, we were looking around and we were in the complex office. So we'd see celebrities just like walking down the halls all the time. So we thought, well, maybe a celebrity interview show could be viable just because of our proximity to it. You know, like we saw that maybe there was some daylight there, a little bit of runway there. So we started kind of pursuing that. And then we were like, well, what's the problem with celebrity interview shows? Obviously, it has to have some sort of food angle if it's going to be on First We Feast. But I wasn't like so much a food guy as I was just packaging interviews for Complex. So we were just like you know, what's the problem with celebrity interview shows? They're boring. Why are they boring? The guest is in a PR driven flight pattern. How do, how do we disrupt that PR driven flight pattern? And then, uh, Chris Schoenberger being the genius that he is, or the idiot that he is had this idea. He's like, well, what if we interviewed celebrities by having them eat increasingly spicy chicken wings over the course of the interview as a way to like break them down over the course of the interview. I thought that was just so genius. And, you know, we got pizza and a six pack and sat down in a conference room and started working it all out shot a pilot and it wasn't super popular. It was not a big hit at first. And I used to joke to Chris all the time, you know, I'm eating a lot of scorched not chicken wings. No one cares. I'm not sure how long this can last. I'm not sure how tenable this all is. Uh, but then slowly but surely the audience started as like kind of a cult audience. You know, I could see it was the same people commenting all the time. So I knew that they weren't just tuning in for the guest, that they were watching the show religiously. So I was like, as soon as we get more eyeballs in the tent, I think we might have a hit here. And then Key and Peele was the first episode that kind of blasted it out of containment and people discovered it in mass and subscribed in mass and all the views went up. And then Kevin Hart kind of took it to another level, Charlize Theron, maybe to another level. And then Gordon Ramsay's like the biggest thing that we've ever done. And then now we're just kind of in a spot where uh we're just kind of like on the on the circuit you know it's not surprising to see the biggest names that hit late night also do hot ones those early days when it wasn't picking up before you got key and peel and people don't remember like key and peel with with when they were on uh, comedy central it was like a cult, yeah, cult huge, show huge. right huge perfect uh, you know that's like i can see the, the 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 collision happening but where was your sort of like compass at when you were doing the show and it wasn't catching on where were you guys at so i believed in it very early on you know i remember uh one of the earliest interviews we did was with machine gun kelly and he's doing laps around the studio and he's swearing it was like so compelling 
in person. You know, it felt elect like an electric atmosphere and unlike anything that I'd ever seen on any show ever. And then very real because it was such a, it's such a wild, wild west show even to this day. But it was like really a wild, wild west show back then. Like we had no idea what we were doing. We never made a show before. Um, so but when that was happening, I was like, this is crazy. This is going to translate to video in such an electric way, too. Like once we put it through post, it'll elevate the source material that was already super compelling in the room. So I always believed in it. I always wanted it to work. I wasn't sure, though, if it would ever catch on. But I guess the thing that gave me faith was the cult audience. Like, I always felt like I was serving people who cared about the show. And that was motivating enough for me at the time. You know, even if there was only 100 people watching, I knew those 100 people were tuning in all the time and really, really cared. So even if I was just putting on a show for 100 people, I would have done it until eventually someday some accountant looked at, you know, what a money pit it was and canceled it off forever. But until then, I would have been content to just serve that cult audience. Uh, but it's nice now that, you know, it's gotten big enough that there are stakes involved and, uh, the team's a little bit bigger and, you know, you can kind of create, uh, the thing that it is today through just building those blocks piece by piece. But, uh, so to answer your question, I believed in it at first and I wanted it to work. Wasn't sure if it was going to, but I had no problem being motivated. I don't know for myself or my, my peer group that are in food or in food media have really giving you guys the credit for doing it like without any, any, any compromise. It's amazing. So kudos to you. Thank you. And that, that means a lot to me. And you know, it is a strange thing. I want to act like we were so prescient. Like a lot of this stuff kind of happens on accident. Like even when we made the hot sauce at first, we thought it would just be this novelty item. You know, you make everything online and kind of just disappears in the ether. Like how do you actually touch your audience physically? Like how can you physically do that? So we were like, Oh, we'll make 500 hot sauce bottles of this hot ones, hot sauce. And you know, diehard fans of the show will put it on their shelf or whatever. Uh, but then those sold like Adele tickets, you know, like we got rid of those in like 60 seconds, 90 seconds or whatever, they all sell out. And then we were like, Oh wow, wait, this is crazy. You know, maybe we should, maybe we should actually think about this and partner with makers that we've worked with on the show and actually like launch, uh, the hot ones sauces and, deal, you know, work with Heatnest and he's helping us work out all the different SKUs and different types and different things. And it is crazy because then you don't, you don't even change the show. Like it all becomes this, this full circle thing where like the marketing and everything works within the construct of the show. It's never like you're going down the highway at 80 miles an hour. And then all of a sudden you veer off to the right to plug this or do this or do that. Like, I do think that we've stayed on our road and just plowed forward. Uh, so uh, that really means a lot, especially coming for, from you that you'd say something like that. I mean, Yang, like it's, it's amazing. <laughs> I mean, it's amazing because I mean, Sean, you hit this thing that Dave, we talk about on the show all the time, finding these, I mean, we talk about those like Seinfeldian moments, but you found this universality, right? Like doesn't matter what your spice tolerance is. Everybody has a limit and everybody can relate to what happens when you hit your upper limit and what it does to you. And so, I mean, I talk, <laughs> I talked to Dave as he was driving back from filming with you. <laughs> and, and this dude was just like saying some crazy shit to me on the phone. I was just like, what happened to you, man? He's like, I don't know. I don't know. He did something <laughs> to me. I'm saying crazy things. Like, I guess my question for you, you know, you, you did interviews, you, you did lots of celebrity news before the hot ones format. Like what, what do you see? Is there, is there something that like this, the, the hotness is doing in terms of disarming the guests? I know it's entertaining, but like, are you getting completely different answers? Are people like Dave just like saying crazier shit than they would if they weren't like so distracted by the pain in their mouth and their bodies? Yeah, I'll give you my my point of view on this, but then Dave, I'd be curious to hear yep. your point of view on it too. So maybe we can tag team this answer. But I think there's a couple things at play. One is just the fact that there's an activity involved, I think does kind of help the interview. You know, like it kind of it kind of disrupts the bizarre context of it all, you know, because you know, Dave, when we sit down, it's the first time that we're meeting, you know, we have to build this rapport, build this chemistry, kind of put on this show, but none of that is, is natural. But I do think that just by virtue of there being an activity and a meal being shared, it kind of does take your mind off of the fact that you're just sitting across from someone doing a question answer interview. I think just by the fact that there's an activity, I think that there's something mm -hmm. there. Then I do think that as it gets 
hotter than there is that thing where it takes your mind completely off of the guardrails or whatever you were going to try to whatever you're trying to protect against or veer away from because you're just trying to survive the pain so you just like get these answers out plus i think that it kind of it uh like being undermined by the wings a little bit even i think helps the interview along because you have like a longer leash you know you won't have to be taken so seriously through the whole thing because you have this just sort of natural comedy showcase involved in the wings so i think Mm -hmm. all of those things kind of help to make a better interview and then i think for the audience celebrity is this thing that by definition is an unobtainable lifestyle but we all know what it's like to just die on hot sauce so it takes celebrity and knocks it down to a peg that everyone can relate to. So I feel like everyone's always tried to invent that. What's it like to have a beer with that person show? And then we accidentally invented it with these wings. And then I think, you know, having uh, an interview, since we're going to have people sit down and eat all these scorching hot chicken wings, it's only right that we meet the guest halfway, try to put together a thoughtful career spanning interview, which I think also helps the guest, especially if they're used to just sort of the conventional stuff or, you know, you've been interviewed a million times. Some of them, a handful of them good, and I bet a bunch of them not so good, you know? So I think all of those things coalesce in a way uh, to make Hot Ones the sort of thing that it is. But I think it's more in the nuance than it is in the broad themes. But Mr. Chang, I'm very curious what your experience of it was and what you role, what role you think that plays in all in all of it. Well, I think you nailed it on the head. It's it's you have a a, a whole host of, of feelings, right? You don't know exactly what to expect, <laughs> but you know you're going to be in pain. And even though you gear up for that, I don't think it, it's the genius of it. The, the mecha- like the mechanism is you spend so much time like in interviews, trying to be self-conscious, trying to be aware of like you, that it's sort of like, you know, this is when you see people on junkets, they just sort of spit out the same answers over and over and over again, or they're trying not to, you know, say something stupid. Right you're in so much pain that you're not conscious anymore. <laughs> yeah. right. And it's almost like taking a, a Xanax or something. You're just much more loose, but you're not loose. You're in pain and agony. And through that pain and agony, you're going to get a more honest response uh, or at least an honest reaction. Right. So that, that to me, I was like, you, you, you're expecting it, but you don't expect it as much. Right. Like, it's very hard. The closest I can ever tell anybody what it sort of feels like was when I was on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire and the music is there. You know, it's that <laughs> pressure, right? Like when you're under that gun, you don't want to say certain answers, but sometimes you just say something like whatever's on top of your mind. So that's, that's what it felt like. And um, I was in so much pain. Yeah, because I, 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 like, I feel like it's not that, they're, that the, your guests are no longer self-conscious. But like you've given this this new thing, they're like their noses are running, they're sweating, they're worrying about all of this stuff. The last thing they care about is whatever the fuck is coming out of their mouth. <laughs> Just yeah, like- and I think I think that part of the the ridiculousness of the show gives celebrity, you know, like a lot of times this sort of image obsessed construct and it allows people to go there to be silly to have that knockdown to they people come on the show they volunteer to have that facade ripped down so i think yeah like all of those things are kind of working together and i i don't think anybody that's listening should forget this idea is that yes there's there's hot sauce people are sweating you have celebrities i have done a lot of interviews you take all of that away. I was like, Sean, you are extremely good at interviewing people, you know? And yeah. I, I do think that gets lost. I think you could be great. As I said, I was like, I no bullshit. I was like, you should, you guys should be winning an Emmy or something because, you know, like being able to ask those questions under the duress that you're in, because trust me, like, I know you're feeling the pain too. <laughs> yeah. You take all of that away. It's like, you're just really good. I think one of the reasons why Hot Wings is so successful is because you're such a great interview and you do the homework. Well, thank you. That means a lot to me. And, and, you know, I think that it's important to combine those things, especially now it's so hard to make a hit. It's so hard to break through. There's so much competition. Anybody can do anything they want with their eyes and ears. And then when you're asking for 30 minutes on YouTube time, you know, you might as well be asking for four hours, you know? So I thought that early on, uh, because the audience is there as the same people. And that's like what really motivated us to really focus 
on making this an unimpeachably good interview show combined with this bizarre novelty of having people die on hot sauces. You know, like once you can shove two of those winning things into one package, I think that's why it's lasted the seven years and 17 seasons and 250 some odd episodes, I think. I, I think it's actually, it's funny because I think so many people must ask you just about like, oh, you're faking it. You're not getting the same wings. You, why aren't you <laughs> yeah. losing it? Why is it your, why are you losing your shit? But I, I mean, tell me if you feel differently. I think that's actually key to the show that like you're level-headed about it. Because if you're losing your mind, like I think that the, like a bad interview is one where like the interviewer is trying to center themselves, right? And if every, if every episode is Sean Evans, like losing his shit, then it's really about you. But I like yeah. Dave said, like you're asking really thoughtful questions to people <laughs> under duress, but you're just calm and you're like kind of making yourself secondary to like whoever's across from you, right? Yeah, that's a really good observation. I I do think about this a lot because there's a couple of things here. Like number one, the comparison I make is imagine if you did Into the Wild with Bear Grylls and he asked you to rappel <laughs> down a waterfall, but when he's getting put into the harness, he's all nervous and shaky and just as nervous as you would be. You would not follow that guy down the mountainside. You know what I mean? Right, he right. has to be calm. He has to be, because you have to know that I will survive this. And that's how I feel with Hot Ones that it's important for me to have a comfortable facade so I don't freak out the guests. Because if the guy who's done this for 17 seasons wipes his eye and gets hot sauce in and is choking up a storm and doing laps around the studio, what what hope do I have for the remainder of the interview with the guest if they see the host is going crazy like that? So that is one side. The other side of it is, though, I go through it and I think people think that this is what I hear. Like if I have an episode where I don't have a reaction, people will say he doesn't have the same wings as the guests. He's not sauced. He doesn't have a sauce. That's just all Frank's on his wings. If I do react, people think that I'm faking it to kind of like comfort and coddle the guests so that they don't feel silly on their end of the table. My whole thing is, yes, I try to put up the facade for that reason I just told you. The other thing is you're playing point guard, point guard on a production. It's a million different plates spinning. I'm trying to make this connection across the table, make that all work out just as it should. So all the wings could be coded into bomb. I might not react anyway because my mind is in 10 million different places at once, less the wings. You know what I mean? So mm -hmm. those are the couple things at play. But yeah, I think it's always funny how if I do accidentally inhale some sauce, on an already inflamed throat and start coughing, people think I'm faking it. If I don't react, then people don't think that the wings are sauce. So it is kind of this uh, this lose-lose that I'm in sometimes with that, but that's a good observation and something that I think about. But the most important thing is to put up that comfortable facade so that the guest doesn't freak out because I'm freaking out. Right. I mean, you're really lose-lose-lose because sometimes you're <laughs> shooting like multiple shows in a day. Like, yeah. man, what does your doctor say, man? Oh, well, so I go to the doctor and I tell him to hook me up to everything because I have this bizarre job, you know, and they know. So I'm like, whatever blood test, whatever thing you can hook me up to, put my fingers in the thing, like I'm like, do everything. And then my numbers have been coming back better and better and better, partly because I think that if you have this job where you're eating fried wings covered in hot sauce, then I probably, you know, I do think about and take care of myself a lot more outside of the show than maybe I would if I just if I had a different kind of job. So that's one thing. Um, so the numbers are go going good. Make, maybe hot sauce is making me stronger or it's just <laughs> headed towards one crazy inflection point. That's just going to take this show out altogether. But the way that I sometimes think about it is, you know, like Ray Lewis, you know, he played like 275 games in the NFL. You have to think that playing NFL linebacker is more taxing physically than doing the show. So, if, so if he can do 10 years in the NFL, I feel like I can do 10 years on YouTube. <laughs> I'm just saying, you're, you're, I'm just saying your stomach though, man, because yeah, yeah. I mean, I was so fucked up. I was so fucked up for the day. I literally felt I had COVID from that night. I, I, I you know, like that feeling after your booster shot or something, you're just like, you're out of it for a day. I had sweats and chills. I've had a lot of spicy food in my day and I was cuddled up, shivering, hot. It was like, yeah, like symptoms. And I was like, what the fuck is happening? I got COVID tested negative. I was like, oh my God. It was like 24 <laughs> hours of, of, um, <laughs> of like 
being extremely ill. And I was like, yeah. oh my God, how I had no idea you could feel this way. Yeah. So, I mean, most of the time at this point, my biology adjusts, like I'll hit Equinox after a shoot now, you know, like at this <laughs> point, you know, now that I'm puppeteering my life, you no, know, like now that I've caught a rhythm and it's not so fast for me. So like it, it usually doesn't, but it's one of those things like, you know, I get migraines and they'll just pop up at the weirdest times. And then like this hot ones is kind of like that, where sometimes I'll be at the airport, you know what I mean? And then just have the the chills into like the overheat into like a cramp. And I'm like, uh Oh, you know what I mean? That, like it can happen at the most inopportune times. Uh, so I know exactly what you're talking about when you're talking about being in a blanket, yeah. but still having the chills and then having the stomach cramps and just being like, why did, why in the world did I do this thing? Were you, did you, did it feel like it wasn't in vain when you saw the episode? Did you like the episode. Of course. I, I, I thought it was great. And, <laughs> and, uh, I was so embarrassed that I couldn't get the mother sauces, right? Cause that's the thing. It's like, you're, you're in so much pain. Yeah. You're, you're, you're so much pain that you can't even think straight. You really can't. Um, and I thought it was, you know, I wish, I wish I, I, um, I don't know. I, I always feel I could do better. <laughs> Something more memorable. <laughs> but man, like that, that, uh, I, I don't, was it the last one I, I slathered the, the, the wing with all the sauce? That's the yeah, one I think. Yeah, you did a crazy wing 10, a crazy wing 10 for the people. That, yeah, David that, Chang, that, man of the people. That one, that one, <laughs> that's the one that left a mark. And, and it's like your body's trying to expel a virus. It really felt like that. And, you know, that by the 10th wing, you're so numb. You, yeah, I mean, yeah. in some ways, you can't even taste anything because the the bomb is that's yeah. just not right. You, I mean, <laughs> I know I, should, I still feel I that's just not right. That. It's not. It's not right. It really isn't right. It's just like crazy how because it, it doesn't make any sense. It's like no. habanero extract. I don't understand. I still yeah. don't understand how it's that hot. It doesn't make any sense. It makes no sense. It makes no sense. So you know, after a couple of years, um, we kind of uh, ended up working with uh, Heatnest and Noah over at Heatnest has been our shaman to kind of help us put together this perfect symphony of sauces every year. But he's a purist on hot sauce and everything has to be natural. They won't sell anything that isn't hundred percent natural. You know what I mean? They won't sell an extract hot sauce, but we put the, the bomb in, I think season two, it was super early on that that was in the lineup and it just automatically, no matter how impervious to hot sauce you are, stops anybody in their tracks. And then if they just have sort of a normal baseline for hot sauce, it destroys them. Or if they don't have much of a tolerance at all, it's, I think people tune in, you know, I think of hot ones as kind of like sports. You can watch it on an intellectual level and think about strategy. You know, there's a lot you can sink your teeth into on an interview level. But I know that a bunch of people in our audience, a larger percentage that I'd like to admit, but I love and appreciate them anyway, are just watching to see how this person reacts to the bomb. You know, I'm sure there's just people that just want to see that moment in every episode. And because it always hits, we just, it's the one sauce. We change sauces every new season. The bomb has held on to its place for most of our show. It has a reputation that's larger than the hot sauce lineup itself. So we can't get rid of it. But I always, there are times when I see a guest eat that and the look on their face and I immediately feel guilt. Like I need to send flowers in a gift basket the next day. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it was so so insanely spicy oh my god i'm just like thinking about it too has anyone just crushed that one like no problem yeah there are a couple episodes that people can no show all the way through and you know i don't know how much of that some people like are going in there like i'm not going to make a face Shaq famously of course then he did make a face <laughs> but um we've had guests uh lord for example a couple seasons ago it was crazy watching her go through the whole thing and like Hmm, it's a little bit toasty. You know, she would just just crush the whole thing, no problem. We had a episode. This I, I was season watching being, that, and I was like, "How the fuck? That's bullshit." Yeah, but, I mean, I right. I did it, and I was just like, "There's no way she's that like like cold blooded killer." There's no way <laughs> she is. She like ephemerally like floated into the studio. You know, I don't even think she she's walks like and just in. floated right into the seat crush those wings. We did an episode this last season with Dave Grohl and he brought shots. We were just doing these like Crown Royal and Coke Pantera shots all day. And uh, he had basically no reaction, but that might be because we had 
we drank an entire bottle of crown in like an hour and 10 minutes, you know? So like oh that God. might be, might be the antidote that people don't talk about enough, but yeah, there's been a handful of episodes over the years that fans hold in high regard. Just they, they're like, they're almost their own category of hot ones interview, which is the, the no show, like badass category of, of hot ones guests. So what, what's like, okay. Like you said, you're, you're famously stoic on this, like your Lord level also stoic when it comes to hot <laughs> sauce. What would be, what would, what would be the show that Dave Chang hosts where he puts you, put something in front of you that would like would make that you can't handle, like where you would Ooh. just like, well, you know what? The, the shots did do a number on me more than the wings <laughs> have ever done. But you know what? I, you know, I'm like a, I'm a horrible home cook. So you know what I mean? Like if we're doing anything in the kitchen, I'm going to be back on my heels <laughs> thinking I'm looking like an idiot the whole time. There's a bunch of things. Uh, that you guys could do that would that would put me into a that would put me into a tough spot. Luckily, I've found my little comfort zone with doing the interview and then being able to handle these spicy wings. But there's so many things that can throw me off. So I guess the shots thing is David Grohl is Dave Grohl proved, and then uh, anything in the kitchen, any sort of chopping challenge, anything like that, I'm going down. <laughs> I think that like it's it's so interesting because you you found you found this thing like we said it's like this universal thing. First of all, it's chicken wings and it's hot sauce. But then there's like, I was watching the game show and I was thinking about how smart it is that <laughs> the simple idea that they can't like wipe their hands or their mouths and they just, like, the contestants right. just stand there with their hands up. <laughs> and I'm like, that seems, that to me is like, again, the genius of what you're doing here. Cause I'm just like that little, that little rule, like is all the difference. <laughs> like people not being yeah, able to yeah, like well. having to hold their hands up like this, having their mouths unwiped is like the entire thing yeah. for me. Cause I'm just like, this wouldn't be, this would be nothing if they hadn't identified that like you can't let them wipe. Like that's, that's I mean, everything. yeah, but sometimes I look back at some of those game show things and I was like, <laughs> the things we put those contestants through, like those so wings were like so hot they had so much sauce on them. You can't wipe your hands. I think like, and two TV studios get super hot. They have these crazy lights and the set has lights and everything has lights and there's a million lights on top. So I felt like in the studio, I was sweating, not even eating wings. So sometimes, sometimes I look back at some of those game show things. I was like, we should have drawn back a couple of it those. It had like a real guests. like Japanese level <laughs> sadism to yeah, what yeah, you were yeah, doing. Yeah, exactly. Man. Just sort of like pretty... crazy Gonzo, like anything. Yeah, actually, like now that I look at some of those things, I was watching these uh, this clip uh, with this Japanese game show that kind of resurfaced on YouTube, where they had like Barry Bonds trying to hit home runs, but they would just have like two pitchers jumping up and down on a trampoline and then throwing the ball or like a pitcher that throws two balls at one time. And Barry Bonds is just up there trying to crank these out of the park. And I'm, I love that genre of game show. I love that genre of game show. Yeah. It's the absolute best. I saw a post recently about trying to get Kanye. Do you, do you think that's ever going to happen? Oh, well, you know, I, I don't think you say no to that. You know, like if that <laughs> opportunity ever presented itself, I think, you know, like you'd have to take that interview. Um, but I do wonder how, because we don't have rules, you know, like it, when you come on to Hot Ones, we don't have rules. I didn't, like when you sat down, I wasn't like, all right, uh, thanks for coming. So you have to eat the wing in its entirety. You cannot <laughs> drink milk until after the fifth wing. You, you know, you can do water, but not, you know, like if I had, if you had a bunch of rules or whatever, I don't think it would work. Like you can kind of almost learn a little something about the guests, like the interview and even how they approach this bizarre show and so many different approaches over the years. So it's, it's loose, but there is a format. And I don't think you can keep Kanye in a format. You know what I mean? I don't. I don't know how that seems like it would I, I be think, impossible to be, have him like. I would think it would be the shortest show one. you've ever. He would yeah. be so short. He's like, there is or no the chicken wing. I don't see a chicken wing. Just let him go and talk. I don't know. He kind of just he does just sort of take up the space of an interview entirely with Kanye. Wouldn't leave much for any sort of structure, any sort of format, any sort of interview situation. But I mean, if the opportunity came along, you'd obviously have to you'd have to go there. I think right? it just, would actually no idea. It would break the internet. It would <laughs> yeah. legitimately break the internet. It would. So Sean, like you were saying, like uh, hot ones. The interview show, there's not rules like people bring in their own shit. You can kind of do whatever, whatever goes, anything goes. But like, you know, Dave and I have been producing some competition shows for Hulu. And when it comes to like a game show where there's money on the line and real contestants, like there are sort of like 
FCC dictated rules yeah, about fairness. Yeah. And I'm like watching your show. And I was wondering if there's like a certain, is there like some producer has to be like, nah, you didn't eat that whole chicken wing. Like were there like yeah, kind yeah. of strict rules around like level competition in the game show? No. Okay. Well, it's funny that you, it's funny that you said that. So uh, I'll start by saying like, no, we, we just sit down, eat the wing, just go along. It's like, we'll have an interview topic for each wing, you know, like an interview question, couple follow-ups, move, move on to the next wing all the way to the end. You know, that's it. If we've had guests that come on and, you know, like uh, Al Roker, for example, like older had like uh you know, like some sort of like uh, stomach surgery or something, you know, if he needs to nibble, you know, more, any, more than anything, we want to sit down and do this interview with Al Roker. If he needs to nibble or has like any worries about anything, <laughs> more than anything, we don't, don't want to kill Al Roker more than anything. No, no, that, <laughs> I stain forever on the legacy of hot ones. We want to try it. to avoid that. <laughs> so that's the thing. Like, but you know, I, it's just about the intended effect of the hot sauce. You know, like if somebody's nibbling and then they're no showing, that's like semi annoying to me, but otherwise I don't police mm. people's bites. I don't care like whatever you have to do um, to get through it. And then that leaves room then for the people that go above and are cleaning every wing and doing all that stuff too. So I think that there is good. I think it's good that there's some range there, no hard rules, but it's interesting that you said that because when we did the game show, I likewise was fascinated to be past a book of rules mm. that was like as thick as a phone book because they take that shit. They <laughs> take that very serious. seriously. I think somebody from the government like sits in on the show right. and is watching as like a big brother watchdog <laughs> to make sure that none of the rules get violated. I remember we had something where there's this sort of game where somebody can see a picture and they have to describe the thing, but they can't say the word. And then the clock was running down and you kind of, mouth the word mm-hmm. and it was the winning question like he they get it right the fireworks go off like flames blast out of the set the place is going nuts all the lights are going they're clanking uh they're clanking milkshakes, holding up their check. And then all of a sudden it's like the house lights go on. And then the showrunner disappears up into the control room and he's down around there forever. And it's because like they caught them mouthing the word and then they have to go into the bylaws. And they're like, well, according to like 14, a, we can reset their so position. Wild. And then they were like looking at the clock. It was like an NBA game on review. They, they identify <laughs> oh the problem God. and then they're seeing how much time is on the clock and then resetting people in their positions to run it back again. I was like, wow. Wow, they take this shit like super seriously. Cause yeah. I was kind of like, oh, like whatever, who cares? Like <laughs> Wait, that, you know? I was like, live and let live. So cut them the check. Who gives a fuck? <laughs> but it, it was, I think it was because that like quiz show quiz or 21 show. Yeah. or something. Yeah, where somebody was getting fed the answers and they had this like human mm-hmm. interest story by gassing this guy up and like uh basically making in a lab a Ken Jennings, you know, and then uh, feeding him all the answers. And then that was such a scandal that now we're still to this day dealing with the ripple effects of that, or at least that's how it was explained to me. Yes. Uh, we learned this the hard way too, when pitching shows, cause I was like, Oh, well, you know, we could just like do it this way and <laughs> it's do it that way. Time. And, and uh, it, it, the feedback would come back. They're like, absolutely not. This is not yeah. the WWF. <laughs> you, you cannot, do anything. This is has to be as honest and as like no interference as possible. It's like, what the fuck? And they're like, quiz show. Quiz show. Yeah. 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 It's like, where are these notes coming from? And you're they're like the FBI. <laughs> just like kicking down the door. Do you no, want to go like, to jail? Do you, they're like, yeah, you yeah, won't exactly. go to jail, Dave. And I was like, oh, okay, let's not do this show. But we can just like fake it, right? Wink, wink. And everyone's just like stern faces around the room. Like, yeah, nobody is agreeing to this. Let it be shown that nobody has agreed to David Chang's suggestion that we fake this. That was that, that was a fascinating thing to learn living through that. Uh, you, you brought up the, the milkshakes at the end, which you identify in the show as like the antidote. And first of all, I'm watching this episode where, you know, a, a father and daughter lose and I'm like, <laughs> I'm looking at them dying and I'm looking at these milkshakes and I'm like, this is the cruelest part of this whole show. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like they don't, they're actually not going to give them these, these milkshakes right here. Like I felt it viscerally and I was again, I was like, this is genius. I cannot believe they're not going to just like, no, nah, I'm just kidding. You can have the milkshake. No, just like cut to credits. So first of all, what's wrong with you? And then second, like overall, everybody brings in their, their antidotes and their treatments. What works? What is like the dumbest antidote? What doesn't work? And it's like milkshake truly the cure. Chris, they, they ask you too. Like, you know, if I wanted anything special. Yeah. And And you said, 
I said, no. I said, just milk. And I'm, I'll be honest, I was so pissed when I saw Gordon's last episode. He brought all this shit. I was like, <laughs> fuck None of it seemed to work, right? He's like, yeah, squirting still, lemon juice like, and stuff. I, I felt extremely, like, underprepared. I didn't feel like I could, like, bring shit. And now I'm like, fucking Ramsey, again, fucking ruining it for everybody else. <laughs> yeah. So is yeah. that milkshake the most sadistic thing that you've done on your shows? Oh, and then what works God. and what well, doesn't? Yeah, I mean, it is funny to go to commercial like, and team A is headed to the finals. And sorry, team B, is no milkshake. <laughs> it's like the crane shot, like is just focused on them. It's like, ah, and then going to commercial. That's a that's a funny beat to that whole thing. But, um, you know, I find that once you're in it, nothing will really cure what you're going through. You can't shake it clean like an etch-a-sketch and so many people are like well mix uh lemon water with blah blah you know like everybody gives me their uh what they think would work to quell the spice all the time i'm bombarded with those things all the time i kind of like the ritual after hot ones it's a very sort of zen and relaxing time because everyone knows that you can't get a hold of sean i'm not going to be on email nobody can call me and i've really come to love the ritual of coming home turning on the air conditioning, sliding into some basketball shorts and drinking a vanilla milkshake. You know, like that whole thing, that sort of finish line that I put on every hot ones has been a very sort of chicken noodle soup for the soul, very ice cold milkshake for the soul thing that I've done. But when you're in the heat of battle and you're going through it, you can go into the Gordon Ramsay sack and pull out the Pepto-Bismol fire extinguisher, bite into bread or drink milk or uh, tie iced tea or beer or the millions of different strategies that people have had over the years, but nothing totally works when you're in the middle of the thing. But I do enjoy the sort of post-show of uh, having a nice milkshake and that, that kind of puts me into a nice place. I saw the Mila Kunis episode and she was dipping everything in rain. I almost vomited. The idea of <laughs> doing hot ones with as much ranch as she had, I was like, I would have died. That just was like so revolting. Right? The idea of it, I was like, I can't do that. It's just like a ranch prophylactic. Yeah, I don't think that yeah, was going to work. Yeah, just, ah, and then I think, but even she, I think when she does that, she's like, it doesn't help. Nothing helps. You know, like she's just right back into that zone again. Uh, so yeah, ranch, blue cheese, whatever. Yeah, but I, I agree with you. I think the best way to go about it is with like as few strings attached as possible. You know, just hit the wing. If you need the milk, if you need the water, which actually from like everything that I've read is actually like worse for you, but psychologically, I don't know. I think people like having ice water there. Um, but yeah, when you're in the middle of it, nothing, just nothing. Just, I, I just try to rip the wings, hit the milk if I need to. Uh, but otherwise just reach the finish line. You're stone cold killer, man. I, I couldn't believe how expert your questions were. And you just, Again, like you're like a war wartime journalist. Like I was like, I don't even know how the hell you're doing this. That was actually what I was really thinking that every time I was like, how the fuck is he doing this? This guy is, this guy is unbelievable. Yeah, yeah, you know, there's, there's, yeah. Well, I appreciate that. You know, not a lot of people think about all the spinning plates that are going on, let alone also having to eat these wings right along, right along with people. But uh, that's what I that told everybody. A lot of our yeah. friends that are mutual. I was like. Holy fuck, you have no idea what this guy does. This guy is on, Sean is like unreal. This is no one can even do what he's doing. This guy is on a whole different level. Like that's it's truly remarkable. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. But before we get you out of here, what what what's next for you guys? What, what do you have anything else in the pipeline or are you just working on the next season? Yeah, I mean, to me, that's that's just the thing. You know, we're always in production. We're pretty prolific. You know, we'll put out three seasons a year. So even when we're like on break, we're still banking stuff for the next season, trying to make sure that we're not always just chasing the next week. That's always the worst place to be is when you put an episode out on Thursday and like maybe you have a shoot on Monday, but it's not locked yet or whatever. So we like to have a bank of at least like three or four kind of at all times. So that makes that puts you in the production schedule basically year 
round. So every once in a while, I can catch a weekend to go back to Chicago or travel someplace or do something cool. Um, but most of the time, you know, I'm just like a firefighter waiting for the alarm to go off, you know, because we travel too. I'm, I'm here in New York. We shot your episode in LA. We shoot lots of episodes in LA. So I just kind of wait for the bell to, for the bell to go off. We got Sandra Bullock on Wednesday in Austin, Texas, and then just try to scramble to get everything together for that. Go shoot that. And then bounce over to Miami, go back to LA, go back to New York and just be on this crazy, bizarre circus show that we've, that we've built. Um, so to me, it's just staying in that and just churning out all the episodes. And when stuff comes in, I don't know, like maybe at some point I'll start to do more things, but it's still my baby and I'm still obsessed with it. And I'm still involved in every little aspect of it from, you know, the pre-show stuff to the interview, to the edit, to everything. So, um, I can't totally step away from it. We have amazing people and I've gotten a lot better about, um, you know, letting everybody do their job and all be a part of this thing that's making the clock turn around. Uh, but as it is right now, it's still a very time consuming thing. So that's what I'm just going to stick to and focus on and it's working. So, so, uh, just more hot ones, just more and more hot ones. And then maybe chicken bites in the frozen aisle of Walmart and shit. <laughs> when you go back to Chicago, Sean, what do you, what do you eat when you're in Chicago? What What is your spots when you hit up? Uh, you know, I, this is, you know, it's semi-controversial whenever I bring it up outside of Chicago, but I did grow up on deep dish pizza. I do crave deep dish pizza and I don't see deep dish pizza. There's a place called Emmett's in New York that does really good deep dish pizza, but I actually think that he comes from Chicago, which of course makes sense. But, um, but you don't really get that in other parts of the country. Like you do at the Lumonati's at the Pequod's at the Gino's East, like at the pizza Uno in, in Chicago. So whenever I go back, I crave it and I have to eat it. And that's like, just like the one meal that I have to make sure that I hit every time I go back to Chicago. But then, you know, the, Italian beef with sweet peppers, you know, just, it just really getting into that Chicago thing. I'm not so much on the hot dogs or the Garrett's popcorn so much, but a beef sandwich and a deep dish pizza every single time I'm back in Chicago. And sweet peppers. Interesting. I'm sure you're not like eating chicken wings, but are you like a spicy <laughs> food guy outside of, outside of the show? What's up with sweet peppers? So the, the wings, I don't want to eat wings, you know, and everybody assumes I want wings, you know, uh, <laughs> why would anybody think that you want to eat wings? That's insane. <laughs> no man on earth wants wings less than you. <laughs> I know. But every time I go to a restaurant, you know, somebody is going to come out of the kitchen oh and be like, this is God. from the kitchen and it's going to be the wings. And you know what? I'm, I love that. You know, it's love. I appreciate that. I love no, it's that. Not. No, it's not. You're, it's not. I, I know exactly what you're thinking. Someone gave me what a pork they, bun. I'd be like, "Are you fuck? Fuck you!" <laughs> <laughs> there, there's nothing. I mean, that's what you're supposed to say. But let's just be yeah, real. Like, it's oh, like, thank you so you, much. You I love your. They don't care about you. <laughs> they don't care. Yeah, well, their, what's, what's their game? What's their? They're game just like here? dance monkey. Eat my wings. Yeah. Eat <laughs> my wings. Eat my wings. That's what that is. Well, you know what? This whole time I'm taking it as a compliment. You're right, David. Next time uh, somebody brings me wings from the kitchen, I'm gonna dress them down right there. Yeah. I'm gonna yeah, let them know right. Why? Like, why would you do this? It's like, if you know me and if you care about me, you're not going to do this. You know? Right. Well, okay. Well, then I'm happy that maybe I can use your platform to put yeah. this out there. You know what I mean? Stop or, sending like, me fucking wings. Or yeah, don't give him something like spicy. Ins- don't give him yeah. like anything. Just give him whatever he what orders ordered, and that's you know? it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> but no one was spicy? Spicy outside of there or no? Well, you know what? Here's what's happened is working with all these different hot sauce makers and being a part of this hot sauce wave and going to the expos and meeting people and talking to people and then making our own sauces and doing all that different experimentation and stuff. I've gotten such an education and then it's such an interesting subculture. Hot sauce people are nuts. You go to the hot sauce expo, it looks like the parking lot of a Slayer concert. You talk to these chili (laughs) farmers that are all trying to crossbreed the spiciest pepper and they're all mad scientists. And then you get these different stories. We work with so many different craft makers, the farms, the family owned businesses, all of those different things. And then I've tried so many different hot sauces and I've seen in a firsthand way, the way they can transform and change food. So wings are dead to me. That feels like work when I'm (laughs) off the clock. The last thing I want to do is eat wings. People think I'm a wing encyclopedia. Yo, I'm visiting (laughs) Seattle. Where's the best place to get wings? Like I know every fucking thing about wings, you know, like I'm over wings, but hot sauce. I'm actually more interested 
interested in than ever. I probably kind of play with a little bit more than ever and uh, I appreciate more than ever. So the hot sauce stock has gone way up through the experience of doing hot ones. The chicken wing stock though, the exact, the exact opposite. (laughs) (laughs) Well, listen, one of the shows that we've been kicking around for a while and you might you you should just host it maybe is like uh right. remember yang the going to all the hot sauce uh origins and doing the whole history of oh, it wow. it's the history yeah. of the world well, through who hot else sauce you going to have host that who else could you possibly <laughs> oh, come on it's a oh, that was written for me yeah yeah all right because you can't just do a travel show anymore without like a purpose and it can't be an anthology it's got to have like a connected tissue for people to feel invested in i think this is a no brainer I know we're talking out loud here, but actually, Chris, I mean, Hot Ones, the documentary, let's fucking make this. This is amazing. Yeah, let's do this. Yeah, I'm I'm already in. (laughs) Yeah, for for real. Anyway, I'm not joking. We're going to talk offline. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for for having me on your show. Thanks for joining me on this podcast. And uh, go check out Hot Ones. Not like anybody needs to know about that. but. uh, Well, thank you so much for, for having me on. It's it's an honor to talk with you. Uh, us over here at First We Feast, uh, we love you and, and hold you in the highest possible regard. So this is a big deal uh, for First We Feast and, and lots of people from the company call me, hey, do you need a little chat before Chang and stuff like that. So this is huge. <laughs> and uh, I almost feel bad. You know, you come on my show, I feed you the bomb and, and I come on your show. We just have a nice, pleasant chat. That's, that's all <laughs> I can ask for. you offer me a job, you know? <laughs> Thanks, man. Thanks, man. Thank you so much. All right. That is the great Sean Evans, host, creator of Hot Ones. Go buy his sauces. Uh, Go buy the boneless wings. And if you really think you can eat something hot, try the bomb. Just, I dare you. Just try it. (laughs) Eat a spoonful. I did. See what happens. (laughs) And um, I feel like I got COVID from it. Nothing can survive uh, those hot sauces, not even COVID. All right. Uh, and, and send in all your bad ideas to, to Sean Evans and the team of Hot Ones. <laughs> Give us five stars. <laughs> <laughs>